0: I want to end racism. Not impact it, not change it. I want to end it. This was the theme of Vili Wang's TED Talk. We're going to learn, listen, hear how Vili is on a mission to end racism and how she's doing it with a self-sustaining organization that is geared toward social good. And yes, you can have both of those things Revenue and social impact at the same time. Learn how. Today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Wills. Todd Hello, welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to have Billy on today. She is a close personal friend and a force to be reckoned with. She is the founder and ten year runner of Baycat an organization that gets disenfranchised youth into the digital arts and helps them in the city of San Francisco find a career and a path that leads them to places like Pixar, the San Francisco Giants, the Film Commission of the city of San Francisco and beyond. But moreover, Billy has a root cause to end racism. She gave a phenomenal TED talk on the subject and she talks about not only just having this cause and this purpose, but how you can create a self-sustaining organization that can address social cause and social good. And that profit and good don't need to be mutually exclusive. In fact, they can exist in the same entity and quite nicely. But I'll leave it to to explain. So sit back, take a listen as Billy talks about ending racism and so much more on the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Uh, Jill and I are both very excited to introduce our next guest. We've known her for a number of years. Uh, we've had a great relationship with her and we're excited to have her join. So, Villy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Great to be here.
0: Uh, Billy, one of the things you know we, we typically do is we let people introduce themselves. You have just this amazing career. So, uh, tell us who you are, what you do, why you're here, and and we'll start with that.
1: And how many minutes do you have? (laughs) 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 No, it's a joy to be here and
0: share a bit of the
1: story. So I'm the crazy person that I often call myself that uh, started Baycat, Baby Hunters Point Center for Arts and Tech. Um, We're a social enterprise and a nonprofit that, uh, believe it or not, we are a business to help end racism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so how ignition I got ignition exactly pause pregnant pause um, mm-hmm. but how that got started and, and we're we're very much centered like part of our dna is centered around how do we break these cycles and horrible stereotypes and um, perpetuate more positive stories to help motivate people to think about these issues that are so prevalent in media and have been for all these decades, but now even more so, how do we tell stories that really are representing people whose voices are normally not heard? And it just so happens that with the intersection of technology and where we are today, and then you think of the art of storytelling, which has been age old since I think the cave persons, um, And then you bring in the arts and culture and the vibrancy of all the different ethnicities and the diversity of what America stands for, and you bring them all together, um, you know, my vision for starting Baycat was to have this place to really hear stories untold um, that maybe don't make mainstream media for whatever reason. Um, and even though this is about storytelling, um, you know, it took me a long time to embrace that part of me. Um, or to believe that my own personal story even mattered. Um, I'm the kid and very lucky to, A, be alive today, um, but, you know, I grew up in the projects in New York City. Um, my first career, you know what my first career was? Um, I was working in the sweatshop. And, you know, when you're working in the sweatshop and you see your mom and you see people who look like you um, around you and surround you, that really is the future that you think about. Um and, you know, other than seeing my mom as a role model working super hard and diligently every single day, um, the only other source of of inspiration, you can say, as a kid that I had was the television and media. And so when I wasn't working in the sweatshop, I was glued in front of a television set. And of course there I didn't see people who looked like me. And, um, you know, the Brady Bunch, I often quote as one of those stories that, you know, uh, I got to see. And uh, we, we had a really small family. I didn't have a father. Our house did not look like that. It wasn't a house, um, you know. And, um, you know, my mom didn't have a housekeeper, and she worked three jobs a day. Um, so when I when you look at what the outside says is the perfect family, and then ultimately what I was growing up with, I really felt that there had to be something wrong with my family and therefore me. Um, so I think as you fast forward this immigrant story, which now has been exacerbated, exacerbated by just the quantity of immigrant stories coming from a multitude of different countries, um, you know, coming to America and also coming to many other countries, Um, we see that, you know, has it gotten easier for um, people like me? Um, And in a lot of ways, we think here at Baycat, one of the big deciding factors is access to both education as well as to technology. Um, So as you look at how story became the core of me also finally having the courage to talk about that and to embrace who I was, but to also see that there was something I could do about this, or at least my calling and my purpose in life was to give up the corporate job and the stable jobs that I was studying to be and got to practice to be um, and really have this dream of whether I can make a difference and whether I could create a community and ultimately, um, you know, a village that helps to raise um, a city. Um, and, and in a lot of ways, that's what Baycat has become.
0: Well, and uh, one of the things for, for those of you that um, are, are interested, Villy has done a phenomenal TED talk. Uh, I'm going to ask her to uh, identify where the TED Talk is and how you can find it, where she talks about the origin and the role that her mother played in helping her get to where she is today. It's a phenomenal, inspirational, um, very, very driven story, and I, I encourage everyone to check it out. But Billy, in addition to uh, telling people where the TED Talk is, you you set yourself about this very direct, purposeful um, idea of what you wanted to create. And while it's shifted and moved along the way and grown and evolved, you were very specific about you becoming a founder of of an organization like this. Can you tell us a little bit about um, that sort of drive and that direction that led you to lead um, and ultimately become the, the founder of Baycat?
1: Yeah, sure. And thank you for mentioning the TED Talk. I'm still really like shy about it because it was one of the scariest things I ever did. But it went over pretty well. And, uh, and I think you were in the audience. So it was like amazing mm-hmm. to get a standing ovation, you know, a week um, after the election. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was amazing. So thank you. You could, you could find it online um, through TED. Um, and uh, it was on the IBM stage. So if you typed in TED, IBM, and my name, um, you'll probably find it. Um, but in answer to your question, as far as the drive, I think, you know, from the personal story to the educational, um, I was lucky enough to be interested in business. My mom ended up being an entrepreneur and o- opened up her own business, her own factory in uh, New York City. And so whether that's in my DNA or um, to the extent I studied economics and also love the technology, technology side, I was a double E major in my undergrad, um, but that didn't lead me to Big Hat directly. I definitely was in the corporate business world and got to see what it worked what it was like to be in the workplace as a young Chinese woman. Um and so I got to be a banker on Wall Street and really understood how businesses run, um, from looking at financial statements to actually helping to restructure really tough multi-million dollar loans, um, as well as being on the trading floor and seeing how, you know, people um invest in um you know what what stocks and um you know many types of hedge instruments look like um so having that vocabulary and then really being excited about um law um i ended up going to law school and um becoming a corporate lawyer again in the business world and uh you know moved out to the bay area partly because i really appreciated um the values that the bay area brought in um, welcoming more women and people of color even um, back then. Um, so as you bring together the practice of understanding how business runs and then also looking at policy and the frameworks in which you know um, business run, um, but also that intersectionality of law and government and civic um, meets public-private entities, um, I learned so much in that and the ultimate drive came when I began to really discover that you could have a business with a purpose. Um, and, you know, in the law sector originally, my first, the first time I had to incorporate a nonprofit, um, as a pro bono client, that was one of the, my most, most exciting days. Um, realizing that you could actually have a business with a purpose. Um, you know, since then, there's been so many more developments and, and frames like B corporations and other ways that you could start businesses. But I think that was the beginning of a trend that was not just for me personally, but to seeing the landscape of business beginning to change. So on the side, I thought I could start this bakehead idea, which really enveloped You know, bringing the best of technology and tools and arts and media and storytelling to young people, to low income young people who are like me without a clue of what the world can offer. Um, so being that, bringing that media and arts and storytelling, but then also having this educational component where we could teach young people that, you know, this is why it's important to learn and have access to these kinds of tools and to be a storyteller. But then there was always this entrepreneurial side of me that also wanted to inspire young people to say, you know, maybe your future is not even yet created, and it's something that you have to create out of nothing. And I think that's what all entrepreneurs and founders share, that there's this thing that's missing, and you quite can't put your fingers on it. And sometimes it's a feeling or it's this gut, and your gut telling you to do something. Um, And it doesn't go away no matter how many times you push it away or that your logical side of your brain tells you, you know, you're going to make no money. You're you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your stability. Um, But that drive came from pretty deep within me. Um, And I would say in the beginning, I was trying to balance both worlds. I was thinking I could launch this as a side project, as a lawyer, um, you know, having a stable job. But at some point I realized that, you know, I was actually spending more energy thinking about this crazy idea that I I needed to bake than really putting the attention, um, you know, on my day-to-day practice and realizing that, you know, I need to pay attention to that. Um, I wanna be able to wake up and and feel like I'm serving a bigger purpose. So ultimately I quit my job and, um, you know, volunteered like crazy throughout this period of exploring. Um, And kept that going until I, you know, kept on that journey and was able to um, actually help run a nonprofit and then get some uh, teaching credential uh, experience under my my belt and then launch Baycat.
0: Well, and one of the things that uh, that is impressive about Baycat is it's it's not just a social good organization. It's not just a philanthropy. You're not just running programs you're actually running a thriving business that helps to take um, the energy and excitement that these young people and students can bring to the equation and helping them to go in and actually work on projects, um, get into schools, get into programs, grow their careers, and ultimately turn this into a a thriving business. So spend a couple of seconds on, on talking about how you've structured this. And then I want to get into some questions around, you know, how you're thinking about sort of growing and developing the business because the model I think is unique for how most organizations, but becoming more the norm of how organizations are thinking about building and growing themselves.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. I I think, you know, the, you hear the phrase of doing well and doing good at the same time. And that I think is more well-known now, but you know, where that came from me personally, as a young person of color and a young woman, Coming from my background, I always felt that there was this patronizing, like, "Oh, this is nice. You know, you want to be, you want to, you want to do something in art, or you want to do something that is not your typical path um, for people like us to be in." Um, it was always like, "Go get a real job," you know, and mm-hmm. it comes—that pressure comes from all over your family um, and also from, you know, the social norms. Um, So with that in mind, I really wanted Baycat to be a strong, viable, sustainable business model on its own. So we started it with both an academy, which is the educational component offering free classes to low income youth as young as 11. Um, And we also have the studio, which is a media production company, but we're story strategists and we have corporate and foundation and government clients that we've been working with for the last 10 years. And just to give you an idea, it's, um, you know, more than just like a little side project. The two are integrally involved. They're, they're, a, it's a, it's a true hybrid where one feeds into the other. Um, so if you can imagine, if you're an 11 year old walking into our studio, you get to literally see your future before your eyes and you see the technology and we have them learn all what the pros learn, um, all the Adobe creative suites and um, you know, you walk in and you don't have this at home and it's like, hey, this is yours. And by the way, you're going to produce your first show. Um, so similarly, if you happen to be one of our clients and you're the Golden State Warriors, you're the National Park Service, you're United Way, you're Pixar, and you walk into our studio, we say the same thing, which is you want stories? Well, we have this authentic voice. We have young people who care about what's happening around them, and they have a lot to share. And to the extent you're open and want to help community, you could help in both ways. You could hire us as a client and, and you become our client and we'll help you create stories um, with some type of social mission in mind. Um, you could also come in as a donor. So many of these places have a foundation um, or their traditional foundations uh, and they contribute money for these causes. So I created some new vocabulary and it's called client plus donor is cloner. <laughs> so at this point, you know, over 10 years into it, we've been able to sustain, you know, over 40% of our revenue as, as, as both having an earned income aspect, the studio, um, in addition to having the best of the best nonprofit practices, which is getting donations from the corporate foundation, government, and individual sectors.
0: Wow. That's I mean, that's an an incredible achievement. And as this is becoming um more than the new normal as organizations are starting to think this way, and it's not widespread yet, but as organizations are starting to think through this lens, you know, you were an early trailblazer in helping to start think like this when when you were um organizing, getting your head around Baycat ten, eleven years ago this wasn't something, as you even pointed out, wasn't something that was really even thought of. And at best, it was a, you know, like you said, a pat on your head, sort of a side project. And to see you turn this into something that's done so well um, is is really phenomenal. So kudos, congratulations.
1: Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, been, it's been an exciting journey. And I think, you know, part of the learning has become um, Really being true to what you see as your vision and bringing together, you know, people with similar values and the work ethic and seeing what the problem is and often like not knowing exactly what the right solution is at any given moment. Of course, you have to design your programs. Like, and I say that very broadly, you have to design your services um, as best you can. Um, but I think one thing we really learned how to do is to be extremely reflective um, every single thing we do um, collecting data thinking about um, How the kids react to it how their families react to it and for us It's a little difficult because we actually have a multitude of audiences um, It's not just about the youth and the young adults and launching their careers and and you know supporting the families But we also have the local nonprofits that we've told hundreds of stories about, you know, we have um, our clients that range all those sectors. Um, And to the extent, um, we try to reach all of them at the same time and figure out what everybody's needs are, and then point the whole ship toward, hey, are we all really trying to end racism together? Um, You know, keeping true to that big vision. Uh, It's hard. It's it's, I have to tell you the truth. Um, There are days where, it's just it's hard to know whether you're really making a difference.
0: Well, and, and so this brings up an interesting point. If we if we think about um, some of the you know the founders or the people that support them that might be listening to this, um, and they I'm sure they've identified with the uh, the drive that you've had. I think it's one of the things we've heard um, time and again was it was this thing that I had to do. Like it was it wasn't an option. It was this calling. It was this mission. It was this this uh, pull, and so you certainly have that and i think there's a relatability there the business model that you have might be slightly unique but the challenges that you're facing are very much on par with i think what we hear a lot of people facing so talk a little bit more about you know how you go through that reflection how you go through the data that helps steer and guide where you're going set your strategy set your direction and how you're thinking about that and how you do those course corrections along the way because i think that's something that a lot of early founders really struggle with great idea great energy but making those changes making those you know small evolutions is is a real challenge for them and and you've been able to manage doing that over the last 10 years so how do you do it what's your secret sauce
1: <laughs>
0: well
1: i You know, I think always the number one thing is, you know, find a good group of people that um, can back you up, right? And that can really ultimately execute the same um, vision toward understanding why um, having this reflection cycle is important. So whether it started off with me being one of the few, like being the first, and then really teaching everybody else about why this matters, and then having that um, be part of the thread in all the hiring that we do. And to look for people that, um, you know, are humble in their ways and always eager to learn. I think that at the heart of it is important. You've got to have the right people on your team who believe in the same thing because they ultimately have to execute. Um, I think in our situation, um, you know, to the extent we have these different audiences, it's also like we probably spent the first 10 years, especially Focusing on what has to work, like when you start prioritizing, you know, to get a business off the ground, um, you know, what are the things that have to be there? And for us, as much as we had the studio side and the academy side, you know, if we had um, young people and families who didn't trust us and who didn't come, if we were a program that we built and nobody came um, or we couldn't find consistency there, then that to me was definitely a failure right, flip it, it becomes the question of like, what would be successes? And, you know, we started very small. I remember piloting this and I started with, you know, a class of 20, um, the first 25 kids um, and uh, worked with them and worked very closely on building the model with a partnership with a corporate, uh, you know, sponsor, uh, who was HP at the time, a local organization, uh, the Bayview Opera House, and then working with a a very well-known museum, the SF MoMA and then getting some press around that. So even at that very small scale, I was able to prove that these kids had something to say, that their story mattered, and then we were able to distribute the message into a bigger way. And I think as I was able to scale that, so seeing that a pilot worked, and then as I built the team, and then bringing that idea to the team, and then seeing, okay, um, now let's grow. So to the extent it could be photography, filmmaking, music production, music video production, how do you take those elements that are, again, those stable poles that you stick into the ground, right, those posts that you say, you know what, no matter what, this quality of excellence that we have, this dedication that we have to the kids and to the family, the authenticity that we want to keep, these are things we don't want to ever lose. So you put those pillars in the ground, and then you really, like, the team – the team's able to design um, that feedback loop. And, you know, surveys only tell you so much. A lot of it becomes having the deep relationships with the families and their kids. And again, this is just the academy kids side because we knew that this was important to get off the ground first. Um, and I think the best result was that we began to notice that not only did the kids come, but the kids started coming back. And that their families isn't the biggest, um, compliment when the families begin to tell each other. So as much as we do our extensive outreach with over a hundred, you know, different partners, our favorite thing is when a sister invites the younger sister or the brother or the cousin or the nephew and we begin to see this little one degree of separation, you know, and people tell each other. Um, and I don't care what service or product it is, right? Marketing 101 tells you, when you have something great going on and other people talk about it all the time, isn't that the best referral? Um, so that naturally happened, um, you know, on the academy side. And, and, you know, last year, I have to say, sadly, we had to turn away over 200 applications. So my bigger problem is I can't raise money fast enough to scale what it is that we're doing. Um, so similarly, on the studio side, we did the same thing. We started really small, but we had some great clients you know, including like the Stanford Business School and the Net Impact Program and UCSF. And that got us off the ground and we had Yahoo very very early on in our um, studio career. Um, And then one thing led to another and now, you know, we've been able to build our base. And again, the clients came back. So UCSF, even 13 years later, um, they're one of our first clients and they continue to be a client. But not only that, they figured out how to be a donor and they also figured out how to be an employer. So, um, you know, bust my feed, right? Like, man, beyond <laughs> my feed. Um, So it matters uh, that quality control, doing these feedback loops, and I think, you know, having a team that really believed in it and then really having everybody execute in these different parts, understanding that the, the whole organization had to be grounded in this, you know, very extremely high standards of excellence. It's like the best we have to offer that we can offer to this community uh, is what it deserves. Um, so we really, you know, we've been able to grow from that.
0: Well, it, it sounds like if we, if we go back and take this down to the core, the, the model that you've used sounds like it's um, get, great people around you that you know and trust, that can add value to the organization, um, find what's the right thing to do, go and pilot it, prove the business, be ready to go, and then grow and scale from there. And then even along the way, you're making tough decisions about resourcing and how fast you can grow, to your point, Um, sadly having to turn away several students last year and making priorities about growing the business just like any other entrepreneur would do.
1: Yeah, just like any entrepreneur, and I think we've got a tough one because you know as much as we um, feel really confident about this unique model and that there is something to grow and scale and to share with other folks because we feel I mean let's let's go back to like what we're trying to tackle, you know racism and sexism and the negative isms out there, these negative stereotypes. Um, nobody's done this before. I mean, how the, how the heck does one measure whether you're helping to end racism one story at a time? You know, when you when you say that out loud, even when I say it now, it's like, oh my God, what am I saying? Um <laughs> and she's there's no right, there's no track record. It's not like I could go to somebody and go to the top fortune, you know, one fifty or look at Harvard Business School studies and kind of figure this out um but i think to the extent we really believe this is the right thing to do and and you know certainly um we're in the right place right time in this in this in this business world this corporate world that we see now um i think beginning people are beginning to see this is not a side topic this is not a nice to have this is a must have we've got to figure out how to really bring everybody to the equation and to this economic world, to our economic platform, you know, to what we have in the United States and our business structure. Um, and to the extent we become a model, not just in this media, um, you know, uh, creative and tech, uh, industries, um, you know, where else can this apply? And we're, we're hoping that, you know, this kind of thinking, because when you get down to it, you know, part of my business mind says, you know, let's face it, I was a kid who grew up poor, and the first thing I wanted to do was make money. Um, and that that's a big driver, that is the driver. Um, and to the extent I can't put food on the table, um, you know, does race matter? Of course it does, but who's gonna pay for it, right? And how do I keep myself alive? Um, money matters. So what if we flip the script and said, okay, if race really matters, how do we put money to it? And I think to the, to the extent, corporations today are thinking about diversity and inclusion and they're investing more money into it, that's certainly the right thing to start doing, you know. Um, but I, I do think the conversation that the Baycat, you know, family and our entire village has been having is we share this value and I know just as there are efficiencies in business that we all look for to do things smarter and wiser for less money. There's also a way to think about these extremely you know, maybe some think idealistic, you know, uh, themes of trying to end racism. But I believe, no, uh, we just, there needs to be a business plan. We need to figure out how to do this. And let's put our money where our mouths are. Because if we don't take that attitude, then it will continue to be this like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we had a way to bring more diverse people in? And and that is not going to solve or change, you know, the world and make it the way we
0: want it to be. Well, I, I I love it, Philly, and um, I you know Jill and I are both very supportive of the model. We're very supportive of Baycat, and, and frankly, we're very supportive of you. And we're uh, we're glad not only to have you on the podcast today, but to hear the story, hear how you're building this, hear how you're growing it, and to hear your inspirational vision and how you're actually, um, you know, uh, to use your phrase, putting your money where your mouth is, and really trying to come in <laughs> and, and solve this. Um, And it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, we hope becomes the breadcrumbs for other people to start following as well. So we're glad we could have you on today to help spread the words for the message. And, you know, thank you for joining us. Was there, was there anything that you wanted to close with that you didn't get a chance to, to say, as we went through the couple of questions and we talked about Baycat and, and, um, and, you know, where you're thinking about taking the, the, um, the organization forward?
1: Well, just thank you for the opportunity again. And I think if there's anybody listening that's like-minded, we are always looking for great people. Um, so do, definitely look us up because um, there's much more to do and we're all ready to roll up our sleeves and meet people who want to join us. So um, so just to say that, I, I uh, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to meeting the all the other founders that you've been able to bring to this great network that you're developing and um, have put together. So congrats on that.
0: Thank you. Yeah. So if they want to look you up, how do they do it?
1: Um, Well, you could go to Baycat.org. I'm also on LinkedIn. Villy Wong, W-A-N-G is my last name and Villy, V as in Victory, I-L-L-Y. But shoot me an email uh, through LinkedIn um, or uh, come to our website and take a look there. um, And we'll be happy to respond in either way. um, And looking forward to that.
0: V as in Victory. I like that.
1: Ha, 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 ha. v is a victory for sure
0: all right billy so thank there's
1: always be as a vendetta right,
0: so,
1: <laughs> right? Don't <get> me to- <laughs> <laughs> we'll do
0: we'll do uh what. we'll do vendettas on the second podcast we'll have you back okay, for that one and we can we can it. talk about okay. billy's dark side
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right billy
0: thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it
1: okay thank you. thanks bye
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast. I was very excited to have Vili on. As I said in the intro, she is a force to be reckoned with, and she is the embodiment of this idea that philanthropy, corporate social responsibility, social good, having impact in the world doesn't need to be mutually exclusive from running a successful business, that you can have impact in the world and drive a profit. You can have impact in the world and run a successful business and that those two things can and should go hand in hand. If you'd like to learn more about Villy and her mission to end racism, I strongly suggest that you follow her and check her out at baycat.org. That's B-A-Y-C-A-T.org. Or listen to her TED Talk. Just go to TED Talks and do a search for A Business Against Racism, and you'll find her. Well, for us, we'd love to have you subscribe to the podcast. Just click that little subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform or subscribe to the website, foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co, a place where exceptional founders grow. We are now offering the first introductory chapter of the new book, Beyond Product, is available for subscribers on the website. Subscribers will also get updates, new insights, new features, Little teasers from the book and exclusive interviews not available anywhere else. So subscribe to the website, FoundersPlace.co. Thanks again, everybody. Hope you have a great week and look forward to talking to you next week. You've been listening to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at FoundersPlace.co. That's FoundersPlace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.